Greetings, children, and welcome to my chamber. My name is Rotherick Gastblood, and I'm your host of Tales from the Dark Chamber. This week, we have a great show for you. Tales to make your skin crawl. Each week, my chambermate and I read a scary tale that we found on the internet, or perhaps left under some corpse. Either way, we think you're going to like it, and we're just dying for you to hear it. So sit right back, light a candle, and let's have a good evening. <laughs> so, Rothrick, you know, Christmas is arriving soon. Have you been preparing for the Yuletide season? Oh, yes. This is my favorite time of the year. Really? Certainly. Ghoultide logs burning, chipmunks roasting on an open fire, singing songs of sleigh... Huh? Uh, no, no, no. Rothrick, Yuletide season. Right. Ghoultide season. Yes, that is what I meant. Whatever. But I do see you put up a Christmas tree. What? No, that's a steak I was using for my next cremate. I mean, yes, a Christmas tree, sure. <sighs> Rothrick, you're so creepy, you know that? I like you too, Woody. Happy holidays. You mean, happy holiday? <sighs> Never mind. Anyhow, we continue with our story this week. This week, we find out our hero's name. His name is Stan, and he just fell out of a third-story window. Now, at this point, he has a chance encounter with Candace. You remember Candace, don't you? She was the girl that he met on the jogging trail that first day. Well, I'm not going to spoil the rest of the tale here, so enjoy. What the hell pricked me? Part 3 one of my favorite sayings ever since I started going to church was, When God closes a window, he opens a door. Or is it, When he closes a door, he opens a window? I'm not sure, but you know what I mean. It's something along those lines. I loved this saying a bit more when it manifested in my life. When I was standing on the lawn of my apartment building with nowhere to go because I didn't have any close friends who could take me in for the night, and I had spent most of my money on groceries earlier on at the supermarket, which meant I could barely afford the cheapest hotel. God opened a window or a door for me. Well, at least I thought he did. I felt pretty stranded at the time. At one point, I thought I should call the cops or a gardener or someone who could deal with these roses. I searched my pockets for my phone, but I didn't have it. I realized I'd probably left it in my apartment, of which I didn't mind this too much, because what was I going to tell the 911 operator? Hello, can you please send a police officer to my apartment? There are these roses that are giving me problems. I'm pretty sure this is one of the easiest ways of booking a room at the psychiatric hospital. I also realized I had left my car and apartment keys behind. 
I only had my wallet, which I hadn't taken out of my back pocket when I came back from the grocery store, and my blunt mini knife, which I was still holding on for some strange reason. With a couple of dollar bills as the only Denzians in my wallet, I was sure not even a hobo would allow me to share their cardboard house with them for the night. Oh my God, Stan, I heard a voice from behind me. I was so startled at the mention of my name that I dropped my small knife. When I turned around, I saw Candace standing on the footpath that leads to and from the front gate of the flat. I stepped over the knife so that she wouldn't see it and tried to act casual. Candace's blonde hair was flowing to her shoulders as she was garbed in a light blue dress which barely reached her kneecaps and exposed her long, smooth legs. She had grocery bags in both of her hands and her face was in utter shock of concern. Are you okay? she questioned. I forced out a nervous laugh and replied, <laughs> Who? M me? Yes, of course, I'm fine. <laughs> what could possibly make you think otherwise? <laughs> well, your face is bleeding for one, and isn't that your apartment window that's smashed to bits? I quickly glanced up at my apartment window and the roses were not there, but I somehow knew they were still in my apartment. This made it harder for me to tell Candace the truth, so I had to think of a lie. The problem is, I'm not too good at lying. When I was 13 years old, my mother found a magazine of porn under my pillow. <laughs> the best explanation I could come up with is, I was using the magazine to improve my biology, rather than anything else. I didn't even say it as a joke. I said it as my ultimate defense against the possibility of being punished. Stan, Candace said with a concerned tone after realizing I was staring at the broken window for too long. Do you need me to call someone? Um, no, I'm fine. Believe me, um, I fell out of the window as I was practicing my dance moves, I replied. Dance moves? She inquired incredulously with a chuckle. Yeah, and uh, trust me, if you can't moonwalk, don't try it too close to a window, I laughed. Candace appeared unconvinced as she narrowed her eyes at me. I bet she could see right through my pathetic prevarication. I thought she could always tell when I was lying. She also didn't believe me a few days ago when I told her that I got the bandages on my fingertips after saving a bunch of orphans from a burning building. Thankfully, she didn't ask about the glowing mark on my index finger because I don't know what I would have said to her. Um, okay. I know first aid, so you can at least let me treat that cut on you, she coaxed. I placed my hand on my forehead. I felt the cut and blood spewing out from there. The cut wasn't that deep, but the blood was more than I had expected. Come up with me to the apartment. I'll patch you up real good, Candace suggested. There was no point arguing because she had already started walking towards the entrance door to the flat. I followed and helped her with her groceries. Her apartment was on the fourth floor, which meant it was just above mine. This made me feel uneasy knowing that those roses are just a floor below me. All of the apartments in the building are identical, so when I walked into hers, it felt like my own. Except this one was cleaner and ornamented with expensive furniture. The walls were pristine white and decorated with a plethora of paintings all framed in gold. A huge flat-screen TV sat in front of a long white couch which had a matching fluffy carpet underneath it. A narrow corridor led from the lounge and it had two doors on its left and right side. All of the doors were closed, but I knew that two of them led to the bedrooms and the other two led to the toilet and bathroom respectively. Candace ran into the bedroom and came back with a first aid kit box. She gave me pills, which I just took and threw into my mouth without even asking what they were. This amused Candace before she told me they were painkillers. 
After she cleaned and placed a bandage on my forehead, she poured a glass of wine for herself and asked if I wanted coffee or juice. What? No, I, I want what you're having, I replied. I desperately needed a strong drink after what I had experienced. Um, no, I don't think it's a good idea to drink when you've taken pills, she reasoned. Oh, come on, I'll be fine, I argued. Okay, just don't die in my apartment, she giggled as she poured a glass of wine for me. We talked for what seemed like days. Candace asked a lot about my life, which uh, I was reluctant to share because of well, how massively embarrassing it was. But after I had several glasses of wine, I opened up like a book. Candace didn't say much about herself, which disappointed me because I really wanted to know her. She seemed to maneuver her way out of all the questions I posed to her. I had asked her to tell me about her childhood when she leaned over in and kissed me. My whole body rippled with excitement as her soft lips touched mine. Her lip gloss smelt like strawberries, and I was tempted to bite her at one time. When I touched the velvet skin of her body, I felt electricity coursing through my veins. Let's go to my bedroom, she seductively sang in my ear, and that was the last thing I remember from that encounter. I'm not sure if it was because of the wine or the pills she gave me, but my recollections of what happened next seemed non-existent. I woke up in her bed a few hours later and remember the immense amount of disappointment I felt. I had finally gotten the opportunity to sleep with the girl I had lusted over for months, and I couldn't remember the experience. Did I even have sex with her? Was it good? These two questions really troubled me at the time. I was also naked, but was not entirely sure if anything had happened because I just couldn't remember anything from the time she invited me to her bedroom. I turned to the digital clock on the side of the bed, and it read 1.38 p.m., I felt relieved because I could still find out from her if we had sex and if it was any good. So I can at least try to redeem myself if I was awful. I reached out next to me and there was no one. I sat up and ran my hand all over the bed and sure enough I was alone. Probably went to the bathroom or something, I said to myself as I waited. I took the time to thank God for opening this window or door for me. I not only found a place to sleep for the night, but I made great strides in my relationship with Candace. One minute passed as I waited for her, then two, then three, then four. After five minutes, I jumped out of bed. I decided to go ask her these burning questions as she pisses or takes a shit or whatever. I noticed a used condom on the floor when I got out of bed, and I smiled because that answered one of my questions, but the other still remained a mystery. I only put on my boxer shorts, expecting that if I learned that I was terrible in bed, we can come back and I can quickly make things right. As soon as I stepped into the hallway, I felt antsy. The fluorescent light in the corridor flickered continuously and created quite a daunting atmosphere. I walked over to the toilet, which was ajar, and I called out her name. I called her four more times before I opened the door and found no one inside. I went to the bathroom and it was also empty. I went to search for her in the other bedroom, assuming that she had decided to sleep in there because I was snoring or taking all the bed sheets or something, but it was also vacant. I stepped back in the hallway and called out her name a bit louder as panic was starting to slip into me. I went to switch on the lights in the kitchen and the lounge, only to find there was no one there. Then I realized the front door was still locked from the inside, so that eliminated the possibility of her having left the apartment. I called out her name again, and my voice echoed around the small apartment. By this point, I was practically screaming her name out. Something was not right, and my body couldn't sense it. 
My stomach became acrobatic and flipped continuously within me. My heart became claustrophobic as it banged on my chest to escape, and my throat became anorexic as it thinned itself to the extent of almost choking me. I had a feeling those black petal roses had something to do with her disappearance. I knew I wasn't safe just to be a floor above those foul-smelling roses. I went into the kitchen, and this time I took the biggest, meanest-looking butcher knife I could find. The knife could have easily qualified as a machete, and no one would argue. I took a deep breath and decided to do a search of all the rooms once more. Bedroom one was empty. Bedroom two was also empty. The toilet was empty. The bathroom was empty. I had given up on calling her name and was now searching the apartment in frantic silence. I was in such a panicked state that I even searched under the couch, in the kitchen drawers, behind the stove, and inside the fridge. I stood in the hallway on the verge of tears and I smelt it. That foul stench you would expect from the armpits of someone who lives in a dump yard filled with manure. The odor engulfed my nostrils and churned my stomach. From the bedroom I was sleeping in, I saw a rose slither out. Its supple long red stem was thin, but it had huge glittering black petals. I gripped the knife in my hand tighter as rage boiled within me. My fear had somehow evaporated. This damn rose has done something to Candace, and I was prepared to make it pay. Calm down, Stan, a blood-curdling voice spoke from behind me. I nearly jumped out of my skin when I turned around to see Candace standing by the door, which was not possible because I had never heard her come in. Besides that, how did she even come in when the door was still locked from the inside? On top of that, the voice that she had was not her own. Her voice now sounded like a choir of robotic chipmunks. Also, her eyes were jet black with a vertical red line in the middle. As if it were not enough, her face was wrinkled and mashed up like it was stamped by a herd of buffaloes, but I could still tell it was Candace. It's okay. He means you no harm. You have to allow him in because... I didn't hear anything else Candace said from that point because she was naked as the day she was born. Although her face had lost its appeal, her body hadn't, and my eyes plus concentration veered to her loosely hanging lush breasts, her smooth, flawless skin, and curvy lips. In my mind, I could see myself taking her back into the bedroom, proposing to her after making love, our marriage, our honeymoon, our children, our lives in old age, and our tombstones lying side by side, signifying our blissfulness in the afterlife. The entire montage in my head had One Republic's Future Looks Good song playing in the background. I was quite obsessed with this song at the time. Are you even listening? The alien voice from within Candace screamed. I snapped out of my reverie and realized the mountainous erection I now had. Candace noticed it too and groaned. Pathetic human. She then bolted towards me. In my state of shock, I stretched out my hand right in front of me to stop her, but as soon as I touched her, she was set ablaze by white flames. She streaked like a siren before her body exploded, leaving me and her white walls marred with black slime. I was stunned. Her body had detonated into black guck. I looked down at my hand and realized the glow of the mark on my index finger had slightly dimmed. 
but I had no time to think too much on that, because then I noticed the huge rose down the hallway was now charging towards me. I sidestepped the rose and it slid past me and knocked down the front door. I slashed at its long stem, detaching it from its petals, which were the size of elephant's ears, and the whole rose rapidly became dry before devolving into black slime. I then noticed four more roses with steroid-sized black petals were slithering out of the same room as the first rose. My anger and courage were quickly substituted by fear. There was no way I could take them all on. I wish I could tell you I wasn't about to shit my pants, but I am Christian now, and to be honest, at that moment I was very close to messing up the only form of clothing I had on me. What the Hell Pricked Me, Part 3 Well, folks, that's our story tonight. Rothrick and I hope you enjoyed it. We sure had a great time bringing it to you, and we really appreciate you listening. Tune in next week when we bring you another chilling tale from the dark chamber. And just a note, if you're an aspiring author and you want your story read here on Tales from the Dark Chamber, send us a note at talesfromthedarkchamber at gmail.com. If it creeps old Rothrick out enough, we'll air it. And if you want your story recorded for your own use or just want to have it, check out my Fiverr gig at www.fiverr.com forward slash woody underscore g look for the creepy pasta gig you can order there and again thank you for listening tonight